Hi, and welcome to The Fix, the podcast that's all about Lightroom, Photoshop, and what you do to a photo after the shoot. I'm Jan Kabila, your host, and my special guest this week is Erica Thornis. You're going to love meeting Erica if you're looking for a unique way to make photos of people. Erica has developed a great way to capture and process people as silhouettes. She's best known for her silhouettes of kids at the beach, but you can try out these techniques on any photo. You don't have to be at the beach. All you need is a person, a light source, and you're ready to go. So let's meet Erica Thornis and find out how she makes silhouettes. Hi, Erica. Hi, Jan. It's nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. It's been a while. <laughs> it sure has. I'm just so excited to share with you um, my silhouette photography and some trips and ticks and tips and techniques I use to um, shoot them and to process them in Lightroom. Well, before you do, tell us a little bit about how you got started doing these, this special technique. Well, what I discovered, what we love to do as a family is head down to the beach on a Sunday evening when the beach is a little bit more empty um, and just play with our kids. And when the sun's setting, Silhouettes just happen. <laughs> I mean, you can do other things. You can light them side light and everything like that. But that big, vast ocean is just so tempting. And so um, I just started shooting my children playing. Well, they're not just a matter of shooting. You know, what you're not telling people is you're a really experienced photographer. Um, you're a lifestyle and event photographer, and you've been shooting for a long time. And this is just one of many projects that you've become well known for. You're also known for your underwater photos and um, other, photo other, other kinds of photography as well. So this isn't all just a matter of automatic point and shoot, right? No, absolutely not. You're absolutely, there are some tips and techniques that are easy to learn. Um, but there are, hopefully you'll learn a few um, tricks that will make your silhouette photography go from eh to wow um, by watching this today. Cool. Now behind you, I think we're looking at one of those silhouette photographs, right? Absolutely. One sec. <coughs> yes, this one was um, featured at a Google Plus photography um, um, gallery showing that they did up in San Francisco a while ago. And they asked and said, well, we'll send you the print as a thank you for letting us use the image. And I had no clue what size it was going to be printed. So this is my little humble four by six. <laughs> wow. And look, how big is that one that's actually behind you? Four by six, four feet by six feet. Oh, four feet by six feet. <laughs> I thought you meant you started with a four by six inch. Well, that's fantastic. It's gorgeous. Can you move over just a bit? Well, it is. Yeah, this is just, it was a fun, it was a fun event and it was to capture family moments. And I figured this was a tremendous family moment, us leaving the beach one night with my daughter running towards, um, towards me and my husband collecting my youngest down by the shore. Terrific. So I know that you have special procedures that you follow when you shoot images like this and then techniques that you employ when you process them. Let's mm -hmm. start with let's start with the basics of shooting. First of all, what camera do you use? Okay. So I use the um I use I started out using the 7D um with the 10 to 22 um lens. It's a wide angle lens. Um and then I upgraded to the 5D Mark III and shoot with a 17 to 40. Um they are almost equivalent on um on each of those camera bodies. So these are cannons for Yes, sorry. Right They're cannons. <laughs> right. right. And these are great big the 5D Mark II, did you say? That, yeah, that's 5D Mark III, yes. Oh, Mark III. So mm -hmm. that's a great big camera to haul down to the beach. It um, is. Yeah. So what are you doing about that problem? Well, I've just started shooting with the, um, with the Sony A6000, which is a little tiny mirrorless camera. And I find that it shoots these silhouettes 
just as beautifully. Um, it also can, with even with the kit lens, gets almost as wide, and it's so convenient for me just to leave in my purse or leave in the car that I'm more likely to carry it with me so I can capture these great moments no matter where I am, which is just fantastic. And that's a mirrorless? It's a mirrorless, yes. So is the photo you're showing us now one of those um, A6000 shots? No, this is one with that I shot a long time ago with the um, 7D and the 10 to 22. Um, 10 to 22. This was um, one of my first nights out um, making sure to absolutely go to the beach on something called a minus tide. And a minus tide is an occurrence when the tide is out, but it's out incredibly far, and it's going out at sunset. So you're going to be able to catch a lot of the wet reflective sand that's pretty flat um, if you go out at one of those two nights a month um, down to the beach. How do you find out when those nights are going to happen? Oh, it's easy. Just look up online. There's tide charts um, for every city, coastal city. I did. I had no idea. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> so it's interesting because when I do schedule a fam- a shoot with um, a family for these times, like this one here, I had told the family, okay, we have these three times and these three dates um, that we can pick from. And we're going to call it uh, depending on what the weather is that day. So I'll look out an hour or two before sunset and see if we've got any cloud formation over the water. And, um, and I have them basically on call. So I don't schedule more than one to two of my silhouette sessions a month because of um, the fact that they're just so rare. So, um, so families book them out two to three months in advance to get a chance to get a picture like this. Wow, that's terrific. So if you live in the California or San Diego area and you want to get on this schedule, you better get in touch with Erica. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's about a two to three month wait to, um, to get um, silhouette pictures at the beach because of the rarity of the environment. And that is a good time maybe to tell people how they can get in touch with you. You probably <laughs> don't want to give your email address out, but is there some way to get in touch with you through your I website? Am- I am the only Erica Thornis in the world. So if you Google me, E-R-I-K-A-T-H-O-R-N-E-S, I will pop up. Um, my website's just ericathornis.com. Terrific. And somewhere there on the website, there's a way to get in touch with you. There absolutely is. Okay, terrific. So tell us more about how you shoot the photos. Okay, so as we've talked about already, I shoot with a very wide lens. Um, The subjects are actually not too far from me, I think, in this picture. They're only about 10, 15 feet in front of me, maybe 12 feet. Um, So they're very small in the image, but what that does is it creates a big, dramatic sky. Uh, So while you, so that's one of the techniques I do. Another thing I do is I get down low. Um, as you can see where the water line cuts across the image is, um, is not cutting across their, you know, their midsection. It's kind of more around their knees and hips. I think carefully about um, where I want that line to intersect. I don't want it going across heads or um, cutting them off right in the middle of their waists. Um, so it's a factor. With these waves, thankfully, it isn't such a dark, solid line. But I do have to think about that placement. And also, when I'm shooting really wide, I have to keep that camera pretty stable and steady with that horizon line. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is, is because of the way that the camera, you know, shoots, um, our, our shots are rectangular. And if I get that horizon line off too much, the natural vignetting that's going to come from the lens is going to be off from my horizon. And it's just not going to be as 
flattering. Um, when, as you see, when later on we process the image, I actually keep the natural vignetting of the lens as part of my final image with these silhouettes. I think it just adds a special character and flavor of the lens to the image. That's um, very interesting. So mm-hmm. can we see that in this image now? I see it at the bottom a little bit. Yeah, there's some up here at the top, a little bit here and here. Here's one that is uh, extreme natural vignette. The sun was behind him, so it's the sun and silhouette doing the sun setting doing this as well. But this is not a vignette that was made in Lightroom or Photoshop. It's naturally in the image. Fantastic. So, yep, so I keep them. And here's another one with that same natural vignette. The sun is in the center, and so it's doing part of it, but I help it along with my lens. Um, when the sun is on this image, way off to the left, you can still see that almost V shape that, um, that's made from the light itself, and it's assisted by, um, by not turning on the lens correction. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just so so far we've got wide angle lens mm-hmm. down low. Mm-hmm. Um, try to make the you know think about where the horizon line is. Yes, and how to keep that line steady is I'm almost belly crawling. I always bring a change of clothes with me to the beach to put on right afterwards. I am seriously my lens is about six inches from the sand, and I'm almost almost always I'm laying in that mucky mud sand um, with that camera held up about six inches um, from the sand, stabilized by my elbows. You're very brave to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just expecting something from there. So anyway, yeah, so if, so all of these, so these are, I just will go through a few of these images really fast just to show you what we do and what I do, and then I'll show you how I process them. Um, This one, again, this was with that, um, the Canon 7D with that 10 to 22. Um, this one also was, and it was also at that minus tide time. Now, you don't have to always shoot at the minus tide, although I love it because you get those great reflections. You can also, like this image here, um, I was up, this was a very crowded uh, Saturday night at Mission Beach, which is one of our most popular beaches. I put them up on a sand ridge, and there's people walking along the water below them. There are people walking near me on the boardwalk, and I just got really low to get them up higher so I can get their entire bodies into that image without – you don't see any of the water, and you don't see any of the people walking by the water. It makes them alone. So you don't have to use um, – use the water. Um, Another example of places you can do it without using the water is um, I pulled them up for this image onto a um, railing and I had them stand on the railing and then I got low enough that I'm shooting up at them and so you can't see any of the other people on the beach. Um, so, so let me just say that the last two images you showed, mm-hmm. as you said, do not have to be on a beach. They can Correct. be anywhere. Correct. <laughs> And so this is a great technique for people who are shooting uh, wedding photos or engagement photos, for example. Yes. You're isolating the bride and groom against this gorgeous sunset. You do not have to be on a beach. You can just be anywhere you're up high. Yes. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking here in Boulder with the mountains, that would work really well, too. It works. And this one was out in Julian, the image you're looking at here. And I asked the um, coordinators at the venue, I said, can I see the sunset from here? Can I? And they said, absolutely. You're going to have to go to our upper parking lot. And so I took the bride and groom and we ran, ran all the way up there. And um, I looked out over it and I saw that it was pretty good. It was a nice little view, but 
I couldn't get, quite get their whole bodies. I saw a picnic table. I had them go and stand on top of the picnic table. And so this is them standing on a picnic table with me shooting with them overlooking the whole valley. Oh, it's fantastic. And I know some of our listeners are just listening. They can't see this, but Mm -hmm. we're looking at a photo of a bride and groom in silhouette, all dark, um, against a fantastic sunset with just a few little trees at the bottom of the image around them. You'd Mm -hmm. never know they were standing on a picnic table. No, they're all alone in the world. Exactly. And that's the point is you can find a hill like this and just shoot it from a different direction. Um, And or you can just put the people on the top of a hill and just face the main light source behind them. In this image I'm showing right here, the main source of light is in front of them. So they're not in silhouette. But the idea is find an unobstructed view and you can use it for silhouette Um, here. um, the other thing, one of the other keys for my um, silhouette photography that I think is crucial is I try and have the subjects doing something. I try and have them conveying an emotion or a feeling or something beyond just standing, staring at the, at the view. Um, this family here is playing bocce ball. Uh, so I have a picture of the grass and a little tiny bit of the ocean with this dramatic um, wispy clouds but the son is up looking at his mom asking a question and she's pointing to the ball and the dad and the daughter are interacting and talking and you can see the light um, from the sunset hitting each of the bocce balls in the grass field so your silhouette doesn't have to be a static image it can be something more dynamic and interesting um, and what makes it work is making sure that you're getting Um, noses and limbs and arms and a little bit of separation between each of your subjects. And you must have to shoot a lot to get these photos. (laughs) You do. Um, You have to shoot a lot and you have to be willing to toss a lot. Um, I'm so picky with the motion and the movement of each one of my silhouettes that I'll shoot a whole entire series of photos just to get one shot that I really, really love. Right now, I'm running through pictures of, of, one of, of a jumping shot that we're going to process in a minute. And you can see there's a lot of pictures that are kind of fun. They're kind of cute. But there's only one image in the series that just really sings to me and is the one that I processed. So you set your camera on continuous or burst mode? I absolutely do. When I'm shooting silhouettes, I set it in burst mode because just a split second can completely change how the subject is moving and can change the whole feel of the image. I have another question. I'm noticing that most of these photos appear to be at or around sunset. Mm-hmm. What? How, how do you know what time to go? <laughs> Well, as you can see, a lot of these images are actually right after the sun has set. Um, I can shoot them, and I do shoot them. Um, you can shoot silhouettes any time of the day, any time where you have the light source behind you. Um, and what's interesting is you can shoot silhouettes almost at the same time as that you're shooting a regular portrait session um, just by changing where your light is and changing what you expose for. So um, if you have, you can have a beautiful golden hour light, a half an hour to an hour before the sun sets, where if you're shooting at people or you're shooting from the side of people, you get this nice giant softbox effect and you get some beautiful things like my daughter here playing with the mud. But as you can see, closer to that light, you actually get the silhouette. Um, So in the same image, which is just quite striking, you can have both types of images. So it can be done almost any time, but it is preferable to do it closer to sunrise or to sunset, even before or after 
10 minutes before or after the sun has set. Got it. Now, mm-hmm. one more thing that comes to mind yes. is exposure. What yes. do you expose for? I expose, I, when I'm shooting at the beach, I'm shooting, I'm underexposing all of the time. The reason I'm doing that is I'm still trying to capture some of the color from the sky. So I am exposing for the sky. I'm not exposing for the people. Our, our cameras are very, very capable of um, being able to pull all that exposure back. Um, so we can get a picture like this that can be used in silhouette if I process it that way. And I can pull it all the way back to just a beautiful image in a moment between two people. So I'm exposing for the sky and not for the people. That's inter- that is the same photo? That is the same photo. A same little bit cropped. A little bit cropped, but that is the exact same photo. Wow. Yep. And so here's another, let me see. Yep. Here's another version of there's that one and that one. So it's just cropped, but it's the same photo um, with a little bit of processing done to it. And then when you do expose for the the big sky behind the little children on the beach, mm-hmm. um, I, if you're looking at the result on the back of your camera, should it look like the finished silhouette that you're going for? Or should you not worry if you can still see some of the detail in the children's clothing or I, I, it looks like this on the back of my camera. So it, you can still see some of the details in the people. And the reason that you want it like that is because um, with I shoot raw. I don't shoot JPEG. I shoot raw. And I don't think I mentioned that. Um, the reason is, is you can get so much dynamic range pulled from that image that you can bring it either way. Um, and what it allows for is it allows for the tonal range I need in the sky um, it's easy to make something darker. So that's, you know, as long as they're a little bit underexposed, we can make it into a silhouette. Great. I think I got it. Is there anything? Did we miss anything? I think we covered most of it. (laughs) Yeah. And so I would just say, get low, um, expose for the sky. I use a value of metering to expose for the sky. Um, And I just, I set my camera either to, I usually set it to, um, uh, uh, aperture priority to make, and I don't shoot super wide open. I shoot, you know, let me see, like this one is at 7.1 just to make sure that I've got, I'm not going to have anybody out of focus from them moving around or doing things. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. I shoot aperture priority. I expose for the sky and I um, just rapid fire shoot it while I'm trying to capture that emotion and I make sure that I don't cut off their heads with the with any of the water. Got it. Oh, and ISO, what about that? ISO, it just matters how where in the sky the sun is and how bright the sun is. So when you're getting your exposure, just make sure that your aperture is at the aperture you desire, a me, you know, medium range aperture, and your ISO will um, be set to just kind of, sometimes I set it to auto ISO if the sun's setting really fast. So that way I don't have to even look at my camera. Um, other times I started at ISO four, 500, and I go all the way up to ISO 3200. Great. Thank you so much. And mm-hmm. by the way, you are so um, good at explaining your various camera settings. You must, <laughs> you must have been shooting a really long time. I've been shooting since I was 11, <laughs> fully <laughs> manual. So you kind of, it kind of just becomes an, you, you just, it becomes ingrained. It becomes something that you just do and know. So it's almost instinctual. Fantastic. And you're very good at explaining it. So oh. now that, now that we've got a handle on how to shoot this sort of a thing, 
you still need to bring it into a photo processor like Lightroom or Photoshop yes. and do some further um, editing on it. What do you yes. do with that? So let me show you a finished photo. Um, and here's the before photo. And it's a good photo. It's fun. I like it. But I think that the finishing just really makes it stand out and pop. One thing that um, uh, separates me with my silhouettes is I try to keep a lot of the more of the natural colors of the sunset. I try not to way oversaturate the images and I try and keep um, the subtlety and the beauty of the clouds that um, that are there. So there are some tips and techniques that um, might see, not be quite intuitive on how to do this. So I think we should go through and talk about those. Let's do it. All righty. All right. So let's start with um, my favorite little jump picture here of my daughter. Um, and the very first thing I do, um, because it drives me absolutely up the walls, is to not have um, a straight picture. So um, with a horizon straight. So I grab this little measuring tape ruler thingy and drag it all the way across the image and straighten my image. That's you know, the very I, have, first I, have, thing. I have to tell you something. There mm -hmm. is a new feature there. Go back to mm -hmm. the, uh, the crop um, okay. tool. Yes. See that thing that says auto? Yes. Cannot do it with beach pictures. Uh -huh. It does not work. The reason is it doesn't know to do the wave at the front or the line in the back. So especially if you're shooting at any slight angle at the beach, it will mess it up every time. Fantastic to know. Thank you so much. Yeah. So don't do it. Don't <laughs> trust it. So, you know, and it's great, but it really messes with you when you're like, no, it's catching the wrong line of the wave. And, you know, because the waves aren't exactly coming in straight all the time. Got so, it. yep. So don't do it. Go off horizon line. <laughs> So, yep, but that's a good tip. It is a good tip for most situations, but not for, for my work. So, all right, so the very first thing I do is I come down here, and I should probably do it when I import the photos, but I don't. I come and I remove chromatic aberration. As we said before, I don't come in here. I don't enable profile corrections. I leave that there. You can see the difference already. I like the natural character of the lens that I use. I like the distortion. I don't want to remove any of that. So I only remove the chromatic aberrations. Terrific. So, and can I just, um, for yes. those who are watching, who are listening, um, Erica's working in the lens corrections panel in Lightroom's develop module. And she's in the basic tab there where she has the option to remove what um, Lightroom thinks is an aberration, but that she likes to keep. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. So, all right. So the very first thing I do as I shoot in raw, I mess around with the color temperatures. Um, and a tip that I had said before, and I've told people before is um, when I'm on the beach and since I shoot with a DSLR and when I'm shooting with my mirrorless, it doesn't matter. But when I'm shooting with my DSLR, I only see I don't see the, the white balance that I'm choosing unless I put my camera onto live view or I'm reviewing my images. So I switch my camera into live view and set the temperature that I want via Kelvin. And that way I can get, you know, just my JPEG previews of my camera are more accurate to what I want. However, it's not necessary. It's just kind of a fun way to play to see what you could get. So the very first step I do is I adjust the temperature to what I feel is a good um, a good representation of how I want my image to look. I can and, that, do, and, and this is in the basic panel. In the basic panel, it's the very first tab, which is the it was just the temperature. Um, yep, and so I'm adjusting that down to about there. 
All right, so I like the blues there. Um, the tint I mess with a little bit, just depending on how I, the character and feel I want of the image. So what's really funny is I always, as we talked about before, I underexpose. I shoot for exposing for the sky, but it's still I'm underexposing because I don't really like to get those hot spots in the clouds. I don't like to, I like to adjust after the fact, even though it increases noise a little bit. I feel like I have so much more control over the images when I um, shoot where I have to pull up the exposure instead of pulling down. So this image, I think, needs to be adjusted about a third of a stop, um, more brightening, brightening it by about a third of a stop. And I don't mess with the contrast here. The reason I don't mess with the contrast here is there's much more, um, ref there's tools further down that can refine the contrast a little bit more to my liking that aren't global. So, and the next thing I'll do is I really want to get those clouds up a little bit brighter. I want to have more, um, I want to pull those clouds up, but without, um, without getting them way too bright. So I'll put it about there. So you're um, moving the highlights. Highlight slider to about plus 50 for this image, which is quite high. Um, the other thing I sometimes do is way up the top in the histogram, um, I, I, um, I will select my um, little triangle thingies um, to make sure that I'm not blowing parts of my image. Um, and I do that actually two reasons. One is I want my daughter to be fully in silhouette. So I want that bright blue look on her. And I also want to make sure that I don't have any parts, the, too many parts of the images that are turning bright white, meaning that there's no, um, that the pixels are pure white. So these are, for those who can't see, these yes. are called the highlight clipping warning and the shadow clipping warning. And they're just like an overlay of blue on the uh, shadow and red on the highlights that tell you when you've taken those values too far. Yes, yes, yes. And so my shadows I bring down on my images as I'm back down to the basics panel. And on the shadows I bring down quite a bit um, just to kind of get a good feel uh, to keep the character of the image, but to bring up that silhouette that we're trying to emphasize here. And so I'm pulling my whites back up again just a little bit. And so this is all just increasing the contrast, but it's increasing the contrast how I want it to be increased, not necessarily how the, um, not necessarily, it's, it's, it's more, it, it gives me more control over how I want the contrast to be in my image. Okay, so. So for those who don't know, all that blue stuff that we see now as you drag the black slider to the left is what? Correct. Yes, so I drag the black slider to the left to negative 29, and so that's where it's black clipping. Now, I do something to make up for that because I still want that black part, but that bottom of the image is way, way too dark now. So I actually come back up, and right below the histogram, there is a little tab. There's, like, there's the crop button. There's the spot removal. There's the red eye, and then there is um, a... Um, a what would you call that? The over, it's the, an over, with it's the, the graduated filter tool. The graduated filter, exactly. And so I'm going to pull up the graduated filter and I make it wide because I don't want there to be a definite line. Um, but I'm pulling back, as you can see with the mask where it is, it's just a very subtle thing. And I'm pulling up the exposure again on that, on the bottom of the beach. So, 
So that way I can bring back some of the details in the, um, in the wet sand um, that I have just brought down with the blacks to make sure that my daughter was fully black. Now, the reason that it's really crucial that my daughter's fully black is because on my computer, on my monitor, you know, she might be black, it might look black to me, but a lot of people turn their brightness all the way up on their monitors. And so I've done things before where I thought they were fully in silhouette and they weren't on someone else's computer. So I'm always coming over back through and taking um, the brush um, on that same thing next to the graduated filter. And I'm going over the parts of the image that are supposed to be in silhouette. And I'm bringing those fully to black um, as a safeguard to uh, make sure that we're not seeing something funky on someone else's screen that I don't see on mine. Oh, cool. So that's that a brush adjustment brush tool with the exposure slider dragged to the left a bit. Correct. Yep. We want to bring that exposure down. So that, and it's just, I mean, it might look good on your computer, but the problem is, is that someone else might be displaying it in a different way. And so you have to, you, it's something just to be aware of. And it's something that's caught me off guard when I was first starting. And if you don't want it fully in silhouette, it's fine. I've done images that I've processed very dark that I actually like still seeing some of the character and color of the image. And in that situation, you don't do that. Um, but for this image, it's best to have her fully black. So anyway, for this image also, um, I want to show you something that's kind of crazy. I don't mess much with the clarity, vibrance, and saturation. I'm at the, I'm still in the basics panel, but I'm at the bottom and it's called the presence. I'm just going to up the clarity just a tiny bit, just to give the clouds a little bit more oomph, but not very much. I don't pull it very far at all. And the same with the vibrance. There's so many better places to play with the saturation of the image than here, but just a little tiny bit of vibrance um, works for this image, but it's so subtle. I only slide it over to like plus seven. Um, so it's just, just a small thing. I don't touch the saturation here at all. And you'll see why later on. Now, as you see, I just progressively go down all the different panels in, um, in Lightroom when I process my photos. The next step is crucial. It's the tone curve. <laughs> and what it does is it will increase contrast in only parts of the image. And what I like to do to give my images a little bit of a pop is I like to do um, a subtle S curve. And that's where I pull the top up and I pull the darks down. And it is, it creates, the highlights are still at zero. The lights are down at about plus, or up at at least like plus 22, plus 23. And then my darks are at um, minus 21. That's basically my standard recipe. My standard formula is to keep um, that S-curve at about that. I do that almost on every image that I produce. So I think that's an Erica thing. <laughs> that's great. It does make a difference. Do you ever use that, um, see where it says point curve and then it gives you linear? Yes, and there they have a kind of a preset S-curve in there. Yes, and I don't ever use that. I've always just pulled it myself because even the medium curve is a little bit stronger and a little bit different than how I typically do it. You're right. It looks a lot better when you with mm -hmm. your custom curve. Mm -hmm. I agree. So anyway, but that is an alternative for something to try. Mm -hmm. All right, so next, my favorite panel. So this is the panel that um, if I'm... I mess around a lot with this one, and this is where I spend my most time, especially my silhouette images, um, just because there's so many different 
things that you can play with. But I want to tell you, I don't mess with luminance. Um, in a lot of images and landscape photography in a lot of places, people just love to play with that panel. I don't. With the clouds, a little tiny bit of pushing here can create things that just aren't attractive. And the the, the grading of the images, just it can look really, really unnatural. So I avoid that, but I play with the hues a lot. <laughs> so anyway, so for the hues, um, for this image, I've already played with it once, so I'm cheating. I'm going to put the red down here at 46. I'm going to mess with the orange, and I'm going to pull this one down to 24. And this is all playing with the hues. And this is just changing, subtly changing the colors of the sunset and bringing out um, the colors that I think are attractive. So um, the yellow, I'm pulling away from the green side and bring it to the orange side to about 30. Um, and then the green, I'm pulling more towards the yellow side and I'm putting at um, minus 18. There we go. And the aqua, I'm pulling to the green as well and it's at minus 22. Again, this is just playing around, flicking the sliders around, figuring out exactly what looks good with your clouds that day. And you just, you don't quite ever know until you see your sunset, what works really, really well. Um, and then I do play with the saturation a little bit. Now you have to be very, very careful with the saturation because if you pull it too far, your image just gets really out of whack. But for this, I did up the orange nine and the yellow up just a little tiny bit at four. I mean, I really am so careful because sunsets have such subtle beauty and if you can get it with that s curve and you can get it with a little bit of clarity you're gonna have just the sunset itself is gorgeous you don't need to like make it extreme to make it really work well and to get that sky to pop a little bit more i up the blues to 14 and that kind of yep oh, go ahead finish and I said that just kind of creates that extra depth and warmth, um, even though it's a blue, just creates a little bit more of a, um, of a depth to the image. I was going to ask if you leave the um, shadow clipping warning on all the time as it creates the sun. I do. I do. And it might be annoying to those viewing, so let me take it off for you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but, but I do. I leave it on because um, adjusting even some of these different sliders, um, especially when you're adjusting the contrast in things, can really affect um, how uh, where, the, where the black point is. And so I... I watch it very carefully when I'm, when I'm shooting and when I'm editing. Good tip. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's, that's something. And I, and I don't really too much worry about the very tips of the edges of, of my silhouette, but as you can see, I do worry and I do make sure that the bulk of it is, um, is there. Do you ever, um, for example, when you zoomed in on this, on your daughter, mm -hmm. her hair is kind of, you know, fuzzy around the edges. Yes. Do you ever take a photo over from Lightroom to Photoshop to try to remove some of the edges of the silhouette that maybe aren't as beautiful? Or I do. Let me show you one that I did that with just so you can kind of see. I try not to. I really, truly love to keep my um, silhouettes as as they are um, I think that that's part of the fun with my silhouettes is that I do try and keep them as natural as possible however this one of my three girls I loved it loved it loved it but if you look carefully let's bring this up 
she uh, was missing a finger and and it was just weird to have my daughter running with three fingers her little finger was tucked so i put a tiny little finger in there it's not a giant one let's see if i can find the original one Oh, that's the one after. Okay, here's the original. Um, see, look, there she's got oh, three yeah. fingers. Yeah. So, and so I, so I added a very subtle finger in there. It's a tiny little one. It's almost miniature, but I couldn't have her have three fingers. So, I mean, I do, but I truly try and keep them original to the scene. The other thing I honestly did here is I enlarged the moon. <laughs> I cheated. The moon was there. It was in the exact same spot. But when I cropped it, it was just so tiny that I went in and I enlarged the moon. I cheated. (laughs) But those are great examples, Erica, of when you need to go from Lightroom over to Photoshop. I think a lot of people don't really understand when they need to go to Photoshop. They think of it as either or, and it's not. This is a good example of where you need to add content or remove content or make some content bigger. It's not something you can do in Lightroom. You need Photoshop. You can't. And it's a very subtle change. It's a very, very subtle change. But for my silhouettes, I do try and keep them really, really pure. But another example of something that I do do, um, in, and it's a little bit off topic from my silhouettes, but it's a very good example for what, um, what I do when I do go to, uh, when I do go to Photoshop versus coming in. So these are pictures of my daughter at the beach that I could have, they were side lit. So they weren't exactly silhouette material, but I really, really loved this image of her looking down. However, the beach colors were just not quite there. They were there. They're kind of there, but they weren't quite. So I went into Photoshop and I brought her in. And this is off topic from the silhouettes, but I think you'll understand. Um, I went in and I created a few layer masks uh, and put them on and just blended them in um, using different modes. So I had multiply and I had some screen modes and I just added some subtle colors and masked them into where in the image I wanted. You can do this with a silhouette image to em- emphasize the clouds. And I find that it's a much better way um, to get some subtle colors to increase them than it is to use um, Lightroom. Lightroom, you can paint colors and you can do things, but with the masking in Photoshop and the layers is you just have so much more ability to really play with those colors in your sunset. So if you want subtle and you want something fun, I absolutely always pull my images into Photoshop for that, those last little touches. Fantastic. I can't help but ask. I'm looking at some layers in Photoshop that almost look as if you had painted color I did. Now, that is a technique that um, another um, photographer who loves to shoot children does, and it's a really fun thing. So you paint color on a screen layer, um, and you just almost – and you just paint just like having fun with a big, wide brush, subtly, slowly, just adding different colors, and then you can just mask back where you want it to be less strong. And it's just a fun, fun technique. It's almost like doing a watercolor wash over the image. Can you do like option click on the eye icon on that layer? So okay, let me see. Option and then click. Yep. It should turn off there. So now we can just see where you've painted. What a great idea. And then you use the screen blend mode on there, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aha, uh-huh, I learned something. <laughs> yeah. So and it's a fun technique and it's just, it creates just a wash of color. It's like almost like a watercolor effect. So, um, so yes, so you can't do that in Photoshop. You can't do that in Lightroom. And you can apply this to almost any of my sunset images in a very subtle way to give them a little bit more color. But the ones that I'm showing you are, 
almost pure Lightroom images. Got it. So is there anything else that you're doing um, for the silhouettes in the processing part of the, you know, of the procedure? Um, well, the only thing that I'm really doing, it's the um, the noise reduction things that you just have to be aware of. And so let me go back to that one we were saying we were editing. So um, with these, with all the pushing and the pulling I was doing, you have to be very careful with the noise reduction. Um, for the most part, I actually just use um, the noise reduction here in um in Photoshop, but what had I had just? Yeah, you mean, you mean in Lightroom? Yeah, sorry, in Lightroom. But I recently, I always seem to kind of go to my corners um, because those are going to be my noisiest spots, um, and especially down in the sand here at the bottom. The reason that those are going to be the noisiest is because I was um, really uh, pulled that a lot um, by actually adding that additional. Um, the additional, uh, what's it called? Um, the graduated filter, um, graduated, you know, I up the, up the exposure even further down there. So what I do is I actually bring the slider all, you know, pretty high up, um, my noise reduction and the color slider pretty high up. And then, um, actually do the color first. Um, and so, and then I bring it down to where it, then I bring, start bringing it down. Um, instead of starting at the bottom and working my way up, I start at the top and work my way down until where the noise, the color does noise doesn't bother me. Very smart. So, yep. So that, that way I'm not overdoing it and I'm not underdoing it. And it's just, it seems to work better for me. And the same with the, um, the noise reduction, um, coming from the clouds. Now when I, and I hardly, do any sharpening on my um, on my silhouette images. I really, really hate um, the crunchiness that it, it provides. And a lot of times, um, and I'm even very careful. You can hit um, the. Let me see. Is it the, it's yeah. There we go. It's the option button, I believe. Is it which is the one? Yeah. Yes, yeah, the option button will make it so your sharpening, you can see, you can mask your sharpening only to the edges of your silhouette or to the details and the edges of the clouds. Um, but I still keep that sharpening quite low on my silhouettes as well because so much of it is that creamy, that creamy beach and that creamy sky that I just don't need, I don't need the sharpening on it. Got it. Terrific. So, yeah. It's, it's so absolutely it. stunning. So as you were showing us all these techniques, it came uh-huh. to my mind that the the real reason that your photos look so great is because you understand color. It's just, you're like an artist in the way that you choose and use the controls. Mm-hmm. So there's no recipe here. You also yeah. need all of that. You need to be able to see color and understand what colors look good together. And you're a master. At that. <laughs> well, thank you. And I think that I, I think that one thing that can set a good silhouette apart from a bad one is making sure that you're highlighting and emphasizing the beautiful colors that are there and not oversaturating them because they get smushed and they get muddy looking if you just take them too far. So you just got to wait for a good night. (laughs) Got it. Thank you so much, Erica. Really informative and exciting. And I think a great alternative for people who like to shoot kids and brides and any, any people in a unique way. It's very beautiful technique. Thank you so much. Yeah. And um, just so people know, where can they find you online? Um, I'm the only Erica Thornis in the world, which is its perks and its downsides. But so all you need to do is um, Google me um, and my website should come up and I'm on um, Google Plus and I'm on Facebook and 
Instagram and you know every social media I think they have. But um, yeah, if you need to contact me, have any questions about silhouettes, just come through my website. Um, I don't mind helping or answering any questions you have. Great. That's ericathornis.com. And we'll put that link in the blog post notes. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Erica. Nice to see you again. So if you liked that episode of The Fix, please go to iTunes and leave us some nice comments there. Um, It'll help us as we uh, acquire a larger audience so that we can continue to bring you all these great photographers sharing their Lightroom, Photoshop, and other processing techniques. This is Jan Kabili. Thanks for watching The Fix on the TWIP Network of Photography Podcasts.